Welcome to Bearded Wholesome and All Things Baltimore. I'm the host, Matt Trigger, and with me today is Grammy-nominated producer and recording artist, Jay Oliver, now known as Fresh Air. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Good. Thank you for being on the show today. No problem. Anytime. How's, uh, how's everything been treating you during the pandemic? It's been good. I can't complain, man. The pandemic has definitely brought me closer to family and friends. Um, been able to take time and just reflect on life um, and, you know, just spend that quality time. I think it's something that we all probably desperately needed. I agree. It it's definitely makes you reevaluate all the things going on in your life right now. And it sure. kind of reprioritizes the whole family aspect. Mm-hmm. How's uh, work been going? Is, have you been busy even during the pandemic? Yeah, well, work's been going fine. Um, I wasn't as busy during the pandemic, but, um, you know, I've been staying focused and creating. Um, and then 2021 started off super, super busy. So I've definitely been super, super busy uh, since the beginning of 2021. But during the pandemic, it was a little it was a little easy, a little lax, but I still was getting work. That's good, though. I, I'm, I'm sure that the pandemic has taken a serious toll on the music industry. Speaking of the music industry, what age did you uh, start to realize that music is what you wanted to do? Um, I think uh, probably when I was, I want to say, I was young. When I was about 14, maybe 13, um, me and my brothers, we just picked up production and that's when we knew we wanted to to do music for fun like we didn't know we was going to do it as a career it was just one of them things where it was like a competition because i'm real competitive so it was like when my brother made a beat i wanted to make it beat better than him you know what i'm saying um we grew up with ambitions to be in magazines um to you know be idolized like our favorite producers but we didn't envision like making money off of it like that's not why we started making music I can imagine I have a younger brother I'm very competitive with myself. Mm-hmm. When when you kind of figured out that this is what you wanted to do, was it more along the lines that you wanted to be a producer, a songwriter, or did you actually want to be on stage performing? Mm. I knew that this is what I wanted to do, but I didn't know if I wanted to. Well, I knew I wanted to be an artist. And then I switched it and said I wanted to be a producer. And then it switched again to wanting to be an artist. And then it switched back to being a producer. Then it was like, I want to do both. And then finally in 2017 is when I decided I don't want to be an artist anymore. I'm going to stick to just, you know, specifically producing and writing music. That I, I can imagine that, you know, just wanting to bounce around and kind of get a feel for what you wanted to do full time. And mm-hmm. producing aspect, you're, you're hands-on behind the scene. I know you get your credits on everything, but you really make other people shine by just putting out solid beats and yeah. letting these artists find their flow. And you've worked with some really cool artists, and a lot of people will know we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, when We both grew up in Baltimore. Um, mm-hmm. Went to school right around the corner from each other. Did growing up in Baltimore kind of give you the inspiration to get out by by the way of your music skills oh yeah yeah that's that was always the goal um 
anybody knows, you know, growing up in Baltimore County or growing up in Baltimore City, you know, the, the goal is to get out. Um, it definitely fueled me. My mother fueled me. Um, the city fueled me. I just knew that it was it was other stuff out there for me and I didn't want to be in this box. Um, you know, Baltimore City was it was just so small. I felt like when I did what I did in Baltimore, I knew that there was other things for me to accomplish. You know, I knew it was a, a bigger place besides just Baltimore. I get it, you know, and the thing is, I've, I've gone over this with other guests previously. Baltimore is a definite crabs in the barrel mentality to where nobody wants to see you shine, regardless of what you're doing or how you're doing it. Somebody can always mm -hmm. do it better and they want to try and hold you down. Mm hmm. I think that's every city, though, honestly. I don't think it's just Baltimore. I think that's any city that a person grows up in. They're going to face those type of repercussions of that city. I, I get it. It's, but, I mean, being as over from here, and then you see people that you grow up with, you know, just trying to hold you down. And mm -hmm. sometimes they mask it as being your homeboy or your homegirl. And it, it, it's a very shady type of way to move. And I can understand wanting to get out. And you used your musical mm -hmm. talents to do that. Yep. What was your first paid gig when you were starting the whole producing and songwriting uh, part of your life? Um, well, the first thing that I got paid from was the French Montana album. Um, King Lowe's Head gave the track to French Montana. And I remember uh, Bad Boy calling me to tell me you know that i made the album and you know it was big it was it was one of those things where i was just so thankful um but as i got older i knew that that one song wasn't going to be life-changing um but it was a start in the right direction but as a kid i always thought that that moment would be a life-changing moment for me and it wasn't that's that's incredible that the first person that was to notice your talents was king losa put you on a french montana album out of all mm -hmm. people I mean, that's, that's like you're not going to the local level. That's somebody that's known all over the world. So you went to Gibbons, you graduated, went to Mount, uh, you went to Morgan State University. Did you ever do any shows at Morgan State while you were there? Yeah, I did. I, I was the man at Morgan State. Like, I did <laughs> a lot of shows at Morgan State. You know, shout out to all the people who held me down over there, like King Flexer, uh, Zeke, and Trix and Zeke. They always held me down. Um DJ Flo always held me down. Like, I want to say those four were like the main ones over there who always just had me in front of everybody. They had me everywhere. Like, without them, I wouldn't even have been able to do what I did at Morgan without them four people. Like, they always just held it down for me. And I, I that's that's a great thing, man, because I know a lot of people went to Morgan, and I know it's a tough crowd over there when you're performing or producing or anything like that that, you know, especially the 18 and overnights that they had over there years ago during our generation. So that's pretty cool that you got to showcase your talents locally while still mm -hmm. being on the scene nationally. So once you arrived on the scene, what record label did you sign with as a producer? I signed with this label called Never Satisfied, which is an independent that's located in Dallas, Texas. Okay. So you, you eventually relocated to Dallas to start your work full time. Yeah, I relocated to Dallas in 2013. And when you got to the record label, I know it was independent. Did they kind of like subcontract you to work with these big name stars for other music labels or were they coming I, to you on an independent I basis? Guess, I guess you could say that. Um, I guess you could say that because me being signed to that entity, then 
you know, any percentage that I made would go back to them. So I guess you could say they subcontracted me to other people, but I was out there getting the connects to work with the other people. Though It wasn't, they weren't getting the work for me. I was getting the work for myself and just kicking back, you know, to them because they funded into my career as an artist. So I was funding back into that by getting the work. I'm sure that there was a lot of long nights and a lot of hustling, a lot of traveling just to kind of make things work and get yourself to that next level. Man, you have no idea. <laughs> it is crazy. Those, yes, it's very crazy. Um, I, I can imagine just long plane rides, long car rides, a lot of phone calls and emails, just constantly mm -hmm. hustling and, and the grind never really stops. Never, even now, still. So you've produced, you have a very impressive list of artists that you've produced for. You've produced for Meek, Kevin Gates, French Montana, Eminem, uh, Trey Songs. I hope I'm not really, the, the list is just so long. Mm -hmm. what, was the, what was the defining moment working with these guys in terms of your career aspects to where you were like, I'm finally here and I'm starting to make a name for myself. And you just, what was that moment where you were just like, I can finally know that I'm going to be good for a while in terms of career steadiness. Um, the defining moment was that none of them guys helped me do anything. <laughs> that was the defining moment. So, you know, it's not what everybody thinks. You know, everybody thinks that once you get tracks with those type of artists, you know, you just kind of take off and then you're rich, but that's not the case. Um, when I did records with those guys, you know, publishing contracts came at me. I turned down every single publishing deal that was sent my way because I just didn't want to be locked in any contract. Um, only one of those artists actually shouted me out and he only shouted me out maybe one time. Um, and that was Meek Mill. Um, other than that, nobody else really shouted me out. Nobody really gave me, you know, the credit that I, you know, that I felt I deserved. Um, I got the credit of course on the albums and stuff like that, but they didn't, it, I mean, the only way to help me was by me being able to brand myself. Other than that, it didn't really do anything for me. Oh man. It's you. That's that's something that most people don't know about the, the music industry, myself included. So if you were to sign a publishing deal, would it have really handcuffed you as to who you could work with and the links you could go to increase your own brand? Um, it can. It can definitely do that. Um, just got to be careful. Um, like if you sign with certain publishing companies, it could hinder you from certain movies that you can get in, certain TV shows you can get in, not necessarily certain artists. You should still be able to work with whatever artist you want to work with. Um, but they're going to take a percentage of your publishing and own the rights to your publishing for a good amount of years. Um, so you just got to be careful when you sign it. You know, um, They offer smaller contracts, of course, because they want to make their money back on you. So, you know, I mean, you just have to, if you bet on yourself, then, you know, you don't jump into situations or contracts like that. And that's what I, I bet on myself all the time, which is why I'm still unsigned. And that that's a good thing. You know, betting on yourself is a, is a good way to put it because now everything that you do and everything that you produce and everything you make is solely yours and you can control where it goes and how it's di distributed and all sorts of things like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know that, I've rambled off a bunch of celebrities and, and music artists. Uh, who was the most mm -hmm. influential to you in terms of just keeping you grounded and keeping the 
hustle that you had pushed to where was it anybody in particular or was it more just that same yeah. self-drive yeah um i can say i always say you know eminem was my favorite artist growing up um even just listening to all his albums like him me being able to do a track with him was definitely a bucket list type of thing and i wanted to get a track with him before he retired and i actually was able to do it which is still to this day i can't even believe that that even happened but um the person who drove me the most to be who i am definitely i want to say it was two people it was my mother well three people it was the most high god of course always um without him i wouldn't be able to do anything that i'm doing now like and I'm, that's not cliche like i really solely believe that and then of course next would be my mother because you know just me wanting to get you know her out of baltimore and me being able you know to to take care of her like that was the main goal you know until she passed in 2016 and then the third person was king los and the reason why i say king los is because king los never told me that i was a good producer he never said that i was dope he never told me my stuff was hot he always told me i could be better he always told me that there was other people better than me he always told me that I was lazy. He always told me I wasn't on my shit. And he always told me my music wasn't as good as I thought it was. And that really pushed me to the next level. To this day, I don't I don't know if he really meant what he was saying or if he was doing it just to, to push me. But whatever he did, it made me who I am today. So without King Lose, it would be no me. That is a certainly a different way to pick up somebody and, and, and push them along in their career. I can only imagine. I mean, that's that sounds like it's all negative. And I, mm. that can only be fuel for the fire. When it comes to your work with Eminem, what track did he, what track did you produce for him? So I did this track called Rainy Days. I co-produced it with two legends, which is crazy to me that I even got to do that. But um, the story of the track is real. It's like, it's like, it's like disappointing, but it's like exciting at the same time. And the reason why I say it's disappointing was because I actually produced the track for Eminem and um, it was supposed to go on one of M's albums. And then, he had this artist by the name of uh, Westside Boogie, and uh, they called me and told me that they wanted to merge his track together with the Boogie track. And it was disappointing to me because it's just like, man, now I have to merge with other producers, you know, and all the publishing is going to get taken down. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like it'd be less money in the pot. But then I found out that the producer whose track it was merged together with was my mentor. And we didn't even know to like the end. So I felt like that was God saying, like, you know, I'm giving you this stuff little by little to let you know you keep doing the right things and the right things will happen. You know, so I found out that me and Street Runner and S1, it was me, Street Runner, S1, Killer T and this guy named uh, Good Lineage. And, you know, we all produced on the track. But um, it was it was it was dope. It was bittersweet because I got small percentage, but I still got to work with Eminem. So it was, it was bittersweet. That's something that nobody can take away from you. And I'm sure Eminem is a, a legend in the rap game and just being in his presence in the studio had to be almost rewarding in itself. No, no, I wasn't in the studio with him. Oh, okay. you, don't get in, yeah, you don't get in the studio with him. Oh, yeah, okay. that don't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how that worked. You know, I, I just yeah. know that generally the producer would be in the studio nowadays thought. nowadays it's, it's in 2021 you'd be lucky to get in the studio with some of these artists i wish because that way we could be more creative and maybe the songs wouldn't flop and you know songs would you know generally do better and sound better but you know the artist sometimes just doesn't get in the studio with with the producer like they just do their own thing sometimes that just seems odd to me that you know music making and music producing i just thought that would be more of an in-person kind of thing so you could get the flow and the feel 
of the person you're working for, and it just seems very you know, impersonal. When you're dealing with introverts, it's kind of hard to make that happen. And most artists and producers are introverts, so sometimes they might not want to be bothered with you. They might not want to be around you. They might have a certain way that they do things, and they don't want you to impede on what they're doing. It's not like back in the day, so it just makes it harder. Out of all your work that you did, you were nominated for a Grammy. Uh, mm -hmm. What were you nominated? What was the track that you were nominated for? So I was nominated for a Grammy for um, the song I did called Antes y Después, which was on Anwell's album Emmanuel. So the album was nominated for a rap uh, Latin Grammy. Um, when it was up against like J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Mike Towers. So that's pretty cool. Um, I get my certificate. I should be getting my certificate sometime next month for being Grammy nominated. Um, I always wanted to win a Grammy. I always told my mother I would. So, you know, me being nominated, it was like crazy. But then I was like, I want to win, you know. And when I didn't win, I was real disappointed. Um, and everybody was like, man, but you're Grammy nominated. And I'm just like, but I wanted to win, you know. Like, I wanted to bring the Grammy home for Baltimore. Like, it just... It sucked that I couldn't win, you know, but it's like now nah, I just got to keep going so that I can get one one day. Just being nominated, that's something that a small, small, small percentage of people can even say in their lifetime that they were nominated for a Grammy. And mm -hmm. when you mentioned that you wanted to bring it home from Baltimore, uh, the, living in Baltimore and being raised here, does that give you a certain edge when you're competing to be the best and, and an extra sense of drive to not only – you got out but to never go back so to speak um i don't know because i go back all the time i'm always home i always come back home um i like to come back home because it gives me a sense of authenticity like it's like i'm like it's more real like when i come back home like i understand what i came from um i go back to my old neighborhoods i go to the city kick it with my homeboys like it just like i it just gives me a sense of reason of what i did to to come to get out to come back to help you know like to try to pull up my brothers you know what i'm saying even when they didn't lend a hand to me like it just it just gives me a sense of humbleness when i come back home plus baltimore got the best food so i always come back i love coming back home to eat and what's stuff, your favorite so. what's your favorite spot in the city man i like mo's i'm a big seafood person so you know i like mo's i love amici salads down there um I like uh, I like Greek Village. I go there a lot. Everybody knows I go to Stokos almost every day. Even when I was there in East Baltimore, I was always going to Stokos, getting that pizza. Um, Massey's is cool. I like the chicken boxes from Massey's, but um, I'm big on crabs, so I go to Captain and Dan's all the way out uh, Randallstown, a little bit past Randallstown. But there's a lot of spots, bro. Like I love Tasha's on the jerk chicken over there. Like I'd be everywhere. That's good um, stuff right there, man. I love that, the, that yeah. little spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yo, I be, I be, I be everywhere. I used to go to that carryout spot over um by Morgan called Sonny's. I think they tore it down. Well, nothing might be still there. I'm not really sure, but yeah, everywhere, but I be everywhere. I I know <laughs> since you said you're big into seafood, and I know you since you like you frequent East Baltimore a lot. Did you ever hit Coco's for the crab cake? Um, yeah, I had a I had a crab cake from Coco's before. It was it was good. Um. You know, people people like to hype things. It was good though. It wasn't overrated, but it was good. Like I'm not, I think my sister likes that place a lot too. She likes the crab cakes from out of there. Man, my parents hit that place like twice a month. Yeah. And they, and they go with their jumbo crab cakes. I'm more of a yeah. Pappas guy myself, but that's uh, that's a county spot. So 
when you come back home and you see all your homeboys and you try to uplift and you just see everything that's going on, I know that you don't live here, but you're here often. Is there, what is your hope to see for our city moving forward? Because we are riddled with drugs and violence and all sorts of things year Man, after look, year. You know, I tell people all the time, like, you know, it's, it's a different environment when you're there, you know, you can't tell these people how they can live their life. Like you can't tell these people, you know, that they, we can't do this and we can't do that. You know what I'm saying? When, you know, they're dealing with these issues of being in the, in the city and, you know, just the, the drugs is there and trying to make it out. It's like, you know, with the government, you know, holding us to these, these certain aspects of the way of living. It's like, you know, they trying to fight it out. And of course, you know, you, you tell them like, you know, that's not the way to go. Let's, you know, let's make it out. But it's like, it's, it's hard when you live there. Like you can't, you can't judge a person's situation if you're not from there. You know what I'm saying? It's easier to tell somebody what to do when you ain't never been in them trenches, you know? And, you know, it's just, it's hard. And that's why, the, you know, the music is the way it is. And people always kind of, you know, some people criticize me because they say, you know, you make music that's destroying a generation or, you know, destroying the youth. And I'm saying, nah, I make music that's giving the youth a voice. I'm letting them tell their story, like letting them speak out, you know, how they feel, what they go through, you know, and it's just, and that's what the kids gravitate towards because most of the time it's kids coming from the urban and the, and the city. So it's hard, but you know, of course I'm always going to preach, you know, let's get out, let's make it out, you know, let's find a way, you know, but it, it is what it is. And like I said, you can't judge anybody until you're from, that that area like if you ain't never been in them trenches you can't really speak on it i get it you know i i see it every day where i work and just the kids don't really have any guidance and most of them think the only way out is doing a, a prison bid or in a box they don't right. really have that proper guidance and it's good that you are vocal enough to speak up on their behalf and show mm -hmm. them that there is a way to get out. So what do you have in the, uh, in the plans is 2021 going to be a big year. You're going to be releasing, you know, an album. Are you working on any special projects? Um, well, I'm developing an artist. His name is Wachibi. He just turned 17. Um, he's going to be really huge. He's a superstar in the making. Um, He's going to be really huge. I look at him in 10 years as being on the same platform, the same level as Drake. Um, he's just that good. Um, so I've been working on him, you know, tailoring his project and just working with, you know, just freelancing, going different places, uh, working with other people. I'm actually at the airport right now, about to go to Dubai for a, writing ca a writer's camp um, with producers and stuff like that. So I'm just working. Man. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I just I just do work. But I can tell you that Wachibi is definitely on the way. That's great, man. Before we, I let you go, where can my listeners find your music and your social media pages? You can find my social media pages is at I am J Oliver four one zero. Um, I want everything. Uh, the music, I mean, you just gotta Google. It. You gotta Google. You know, I'm pretty sure if you Google my name, that should pop up. You know what I what I've done. So you're on all the streaming platforms. Yeah. Well. Fresh Air, I want to thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule. Be safe on your flight. No Goodbye, brother. Appreciate you. Take it easy, man.